morning, Nashville. I'm Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for a Friday, October 2nd. As I have warned you on each of the last two episodes of this show, everything is fluid in 2020, and early on Thursday, the NFL officially pushed the Titans and Steelers game off of week four due to the growing number of positive tests within the Titans organization. According to the NFL's official statement, the decision to postpone was made to ensure the health and safety of players, coaches, and game day personnel, and that the Titans facility will remain closed and the team will continue to have no in-person activities until further notice. This was always the concern once the initial outbreak was reported on Tuesday, that the testing and tracing was going to reveal a whole lot more stuff, be it positive tests or exposures or whatever. On Thursday afternoon, the Titans added rookie cornerback Christian Fulton to the COVID-19 list, bringing the number of players on the list to five. The organization also added a sixth personnel member to the list, totaling 11 positive tests at minimum. And that was enough for the NFL to punt on this weekend. Sources have told ESPN's Adam Schefter that, as we discussed previously on the show, that the most likeliest spot for this game would be the Titans' original off weekend, Week 7. It will take some massaging of the schedules to work, but it's not overly difficult if you missed it. The Steelers-Ravens game planned for Week 7 could be pushed back one week to Week 8, where both teams were already off, and then the Titans-Steelers game could easily be slotted into the schedule in Week 7. Look, obviously this sucks, for so many reasons. Primarily, I, I hope the infected players and personnel and their families are safe and able to recover without any complications. And number two, the world definitely wanted to see two unbeaten AFC teams battle in what was likely going to be an entertaining playoff-type football game. A few Steelers players weren't happy about the decision. Tight end Eric Ebron, for example, took to Twitter to voice his frustration. But this week has been a much-needed reminder of two really important things. That the virus hasn't really gone anywhere, and even people taking proper care and following instructions can be infected, even with Davidson County numbers appearing to be under control. But more importantly that we're all in this together. This week it was the Titans that caught the virus and have become the focal point of the national media, finally, but for all the wrong reasons, although they've handled it incredibly well in my opinion. I applaud the team leaders, coaches, and players for, without missing a beat, properly messaging public health precautions and, at least outwardly, saying all the right things. But next week it could be another team. It could be your team. It's a critical lesson in an awful year that we are all connected. I understand Ebron's frustration. He says he's going to miss his kid's birthday now because the bye weeks are getting moved around. But this is what he and this is what we all signed up for. This was collectively bargained, this exact situation. The NFL and the players were prepared and ready for something like this to happen, and it just sucks that it happened to us here in Nashville. Both teams were ready to play this game, full week of practice or not, but Mike Vrabel, being the leader that he is, said this was the smart and safe decision by the league. There are, of course, other ripple effects worth noting. I will tell you that while I do know that tourism dollars are critical to the city's budget and that that Steeler money generally spends pretty well in Nashville, I'm really not all that broken up about all those terrible towels having to change their travel plans at the last minute. (laughs) In all seriousness, after the Titans ticketing debacle a few weeks ago, it would have been pretty fascinating to see how many Pittsburgh fans managed to work their way into the building this weekend. I guess we'll have to wait a few more weeks to see or find out. Or maybe just one, because the Bills Mafia also tends to travel well, and they're coming to town next weekend. And hey, look at the bright side. If there is one, this gives A.J. Brown, Taylor Lewan, and Adoree Jackson more time to recover and get healthy. What I can't wait for this weekend in the SEC are the games within the games. A weekend that I felt like I've been waiting for for the entire calendar year. 
Sure, it felt wonderful to have SEC football back last weekend, and we were treated with the historic upset of a defending national champ, but things are going to get far more serious this weekend. It's the position battles that have me feeling a little steamy right now. Bo Nix and Chad Morris's offense better have a plan for Georgia's disgusting defensive front. Alabama's mammoth running game against Texas A&M's very underrated defensive line. Kellen Mond's ability to scramble outside of the pocket against the Crimson Tide's linebacking core. How about JT Daniels, if he's healthy enough to go, making his first SEC start in the Deep South's oldest rivalry against an opportunistic Auburn defense? And that's just the two big games of the weekend. A week ago, I would have laughed at you if you'd have told me you wanted to see LSU's offensive line square off against Vanderbilt's defensive line. But after week one, that matchup is far more interesting. How about Lane Kiffin's wild passing attack against Mark Stoops' normally dependable defense? And Tennessee's offensive line. I want to see what the O-line can do in a game the Vols should win without having to depend on Jarrett Garantano being accurate in the fourth quarter. Last weekend was awesome. Big scores, quarterback controversies, and upsets. The world is just a happier place with SEC football back. But with four top 15 teams doing battle this weekend, things no longer feel like we are all just happy and satisfied to have it back. And it's starting to feel a lot more like the normal pressure cooker that conference play in the South really is. It just means more because it does. A big question around the SEC this summer was would coaches get a pass because of the pandemic and budgets getting slashed? It was fair to think that Will Muschamp or Derek Mason might be safer because of the impact COVID has had on college football financially. But after one week, the crazy already feels like it's returned to Saturdays in the South, and I'm willing to bet you that fan bases are going to start yelling and screaming about how god-awful their offensive coordinator is in no time. No, at 4 or $5 million per year, you probably don't get a pandemic pass this year. You have got to win games just like every other year of SEC football. Your weekend schedule is as follows. Bama and Texas A&M will be your 2.30 CBS game of the week on Saturday. The Vols will host Mizzou at 11 a.m. on the SEC Network. And Auburn heads to Georgia in the biggest game in the country this weekend at 6.30 p.m. on ESPN. And don't forget the defending champs, 0-1 LSU, comes to West End to play Vanderbilt at 6.30. That game will be on SEC Network. Nashville SC is on the road this weekend, getting back on the pitch against the New England Revolution in Gillette Stadium at 6.30 p.m. on Saturday evening. Game two of the NBA Finals between the Lakers and the Heat will be Friday evening at 8 p.m. on ABC, and game three will be Sunday at 6.30. The Lakers are up 1-0 in the best-of-seven series. And, of course, you've got some Major League Baseball playoffs going on as well. Everybody, enjoy your weekend. My name is Braden Gall. Thanks for listening. This has been the 440 for Friday, October 2nd. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler. Thank you.